Hi, it's Garen with Shamrock Roofing and Construction. Need a new roof fast? Consider Shamrock Roofing and Construction. Our rapid repair team will get you a quote within 24 hours and will always repair before we replace. One call does it all. Shamrockroofer.com. Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM at 94.5 FM. We are back for the end of the week with another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. Hi, I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. And even though we didn't have a show yesterday or the day before that, had a doctor's and dentist appointment back-to-back, we still have plenty to get into today. And we're going to have enough time to get into a lot of Chiefs and Ravens talk, Lions Niners, and a little college hoops talk. Uh, There was a pretty big story that came out last night about Kansas State and Iowa State. Apparently, there are spies behind the bench uh, that Iowa State is trying to steal plays, uh, steal signs, I guess you should say, uh, from Kansas State. And that was reported by, I believe, Kellis Robinette, a beat reporter of the Kansas State Wildcats. So we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. Kansas has a big matchup with those Iowa State Cyclones coming up tomorrow afternoon. In Ames, K-State, they'll be on the road in Houston, taking on the top five ranked Cougars uh, to continue Big 12 play. But I think we all are aware the majority of this show is going to go toward breaking down this upcoming matchup against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. A trip to the Super Bowl on the line. Kansas City looking to get to their fourth Super Bowl in the last six years. And Baltimore looking to get to their first in the era of Lamar Jackson. Remember, they haven't been to a Super Bowl since they beat the San Francisco 49ers with Joe Flacco as their quarterback. Uh, There is a lot to like about both of these teams in the game. Um, I've never really agreed with the fact that uh, Baltimore is so unbelievably loaded that they're going to blow the Chiefs out of the water. I've... I don't see it going like that. I don't think there's going to be a blowout on either side of this, if I'm being quite honest with you. It's the AFC Championship game. And you know, I could go back through the last six years and probably count on two hands, maybe just one, in which Patrick Mahomes has been blown out in his career. Uh, just thinking off, it, or thinking off the top of my head, um, you could say that he was blown out against Denver this year. I need to go back and check the numbers. I think it's eight double-digit losses in his, eight enti- double-digit in losses. his entire career. And that's stretching six years. And right. I believe he's going for win number 90 Right, I was going to say over, on a, Sunday. Uh, over 115-some games, I believe. And that's where I just think you know, people that think it's going to be a blowout need to do a little bit more research on it. Just you know, play the odds there. He does not get blown out. And the Ravens, though they have blown out teams this year... Uh, those, I think, in those outcomes, they were just severely, severely overpowering to their opponent. Uh, they were probably the advantageous group at every single spot on the field. And Miami, I think other than wide receiver, they had Miami beaten just about every single category. That's why they blew them out. You know, they played the Niners... You know, you could make a case that they had the Niners beat in numerous categories. Defense, offense, offensive line, quarterback play. Not running back, because the Niners, of course, have Christian McCaffrey, but that resulted in a blowout. 
I'm just not sold that in every single positional group, the Ravens have this huge advantage that would lead to a blowout. I, I think, you know, you look at quarterback play. I'm giving the edge to Patrick Mahomes, even though Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP this year. I think playoff-wise, I'm going to go with the more experienced quarterback. In the running back room, I'm probably going to give the edge to Kansas City there. Maybe not at the beginning of the year, but Baltimore suffered so many injuries. All right, so I'm giving that edge to Kansas City. Wide receivers, I'll give the edge to Baltimore. Offensive line, probably giving the edge to Baltimore as well. Uh, defensive line, likely giving that to Baltimore, but it's close. A tight end, giving that edge to Kansas City. Secondary, giving that edge to Kansas City. Linebacking core, probably to Baltimore. So you're seeing me go back and forth here. Baltimore on one side, Kansas City on the other. That should scream to you that really uh, these teams are going to be evenly matched. I think this is going to be decided, similar to the Buffalo game, in the final minutes of it. Now, kickers, that's another thing. Kind of a wash, right? Harrison Butker and, and um, Justin Tucker are two of the best kickers in the game. You know, that is a really good spot to be in for both these teams. That game on the line, those kickers can make it from 60-plus. And I don't think that we have seen any reports of awful weather in Baltimore. I don't imagine it's going to be a 74 like it is in San Francisco on Sunday night. It's supposed to be rainy. Rainy, okay. It will be rainy. There might be a dry slot that opens up for the game, but for the majority of the hourly forecast, there will be rain. So it will Are we talking be... heavy rain or is this going to be... I think it's a pretty consistent rain. Okay, yeah. Sunday it says high of 45, low of 38, 90% chance of rain. Right. Old school football here and shocking that over the next week there's not a single day that rains except for Sunday. And that stadium went back to natural grass in 2016. They used to have artificial field turf. So it can play a factor in this one. And I believe it was rainy too when they played Houston. It's been uh, raining in Baltimore for quite some time now. But today, that's the funny thing. Today, they have a high of 71 in Baltimore. Like, partly cloudy, beautiful weather, but two days later, we're going to get a low of 38 90% chance of rain. So it will play a factor a little bit. Maybe not as much as Buffalo's weather did. I mean, there was lots of snow. It was freezing. Certainly not going to play a factor the way it did against Miami when the Chiefs had their coldest game, a fourth coldest game in NFL history back in the wild card round. But this one will play a little bit of a factor. So it turns back to the running game, uh, who can get that going, uh, how many times you can throw the football. I think Baltimore is going to limit that. Well, I don't think Baltimore wants to throw it 30, 35 times in this game if it's raining. You rely on Lamar Jackson's legs, which he's the best dual-threat quarterback maybe that we've seen since Mike Vick. If you want to take a different approach, a different style, I think Cam Newton, his MVP year, was a damn good dual-threat quarterback. But in terms of play style, I think this is the closest thing we've seen to Michael Vick since Michael Vick. Right? It's, it's Lamar. I think Vick was a better thrower. But Lamar has really polished that part of his game, which makes him inherently dangerous, especially for a Chiefs defense like this. Uh, Jake, I want to turn things over to you. Uh, looking at this matchup, you know, there's been the talk of blowout, blowout, blowout. The, the Ravens have the ability to bludgeon the Chiefs in this game. If you're Kansas City, how do you prevent something like that? Because you know you're going up against a healthier defense, a healthier offense. I mean, this is Lamar's best team that he's ever had. This is 
I guess it's an arguing point, but I would argue that this is the best team left in the NFL playoffs. I think the Ravens are better than the Chiefs. I think they're better than the Niners and the Lions. So how do you prevent a blowout from happening at M&T Bank Stadium on Sunday afternoon? I think that's. Uh, I think there's a formula to that. I think it's to get the early lead. You have the Ravens playing from behind. I, I think you can try to make them one-dimensional, although the run game is good, and, and, and they will continue to run the, game, run the ball until they have no other choice. Um, but a constant lead. You want to battle back and forth. You want to get the early lead, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you, you have this game close at halftime, and you have that creeping thought in, in okay, we might be screwed. Like, that moment... That moment, I think you know it, it happened in Buffalo. Yeah, right. That 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 going forward on fourth down, that fake punt. I think a collective sigh across Orchard Park was like, "Oh crap, we're screwed." And unfortunately, the Chiefs couldn't capitalize in the moment. But mm-hmm. but if they get that ball in the end zone on that possession, that's a game set match in my opinion. Yes. And so to translate that to this game, it's. You keep Lamar playing from behind. You uh, you you ball control basically. You do what the, what you what they're going to want to do. So you take it out of their hands uh, because that's what they're going to want to do. That's what Buffalo did, and it didn't work. But that's what they did. They limited Josh Allen throwing the ball. They took their shots, but for the most part, they controlled the game because. If you look at the Chiefs' defense, if there is a weakness on the defense, it's the ability to stop the run. Mm-hmm. And that that they've they've been that stereotypical classic bend but don't break defense because then when the, when the other team gets into the red zone their red zone defense is fantastic they hold teams to field goals and you saw them do that on the last possession that the Bills had the ball you know they had shots at the end zone but they held them to to that last field goal opportunity which you know unfortunately or fortunately for the Chiefs or the Bills they missed that field goal Bass missed a kick mm-hmm. and. And that's kind of uh, for me the formula is is play from the play play from the front, um, but the thing is if they do if they do go down if the Chiefs are down at any point in time it's like the experience of this team and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Steve Spagnolo and Nagy you know these are guys that have, you know except for Nagy but these are guys that have been down 10 points in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. These have been a, a group of guys that have been down 10 points at halftime of a Super Bowl. Right? So they they're, they're not going to be hitting the panic button where you look at this is Lamar's first AFC championship. Of course, I think that's going to be the difference this being the difference between the Bills game and the Ravens game is the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Because Harbaugh has been there. He has won an AFC championship. He has won a Super Bowl. So I think that's why it's going to be a tighter game. It's going to be a more even playing field in terms of coach versus coach. Two guys that really know each other well, being that, that John Harbaugh was the special teams coach for Andy Reid and, and coached under him for so long, and vice versa, that Andy Reid had him on his staff and they know each other quite well and know each other's tendencies at some level. And so I think that's going to be a battle that we didn't see last week in Buffalo. And that's why I think this game is going to be a tighter affair. I don't think, and look, I've been wrong many times in my life, but there's no way do I see a blowout on either side. Mm -mm. 
I just I, I think this is going to be a heavyweight fight. I think there's going to be blow after blow. Look, we saw five lead changes in that Bills game. I mean, it may not be like that, but it might be the team that's up is only up by a field goal, and then they score, and then only up by a field goal, and then only up by one, and then you know down touch. I, I it's going to be a, a, somewhat of a boat race. You know, it's going to be methodically these teams going back and forth, taking each other's punches. And, and, and you know, the last team to land one, I think, is going, going to walk away the victor here. Yeah, I mean, I think the only way that a blowout would happen would be the Chiefs kind of collapsing on their own, which is usually what happens in blowouts. But I'm talking Patrick Mahomes having a pick six, the Chiefs fumbling backed up inside their own 30. Uh, that's going to set up a blowout type of territory, but I don't... I don't see the Chiefs turning in that type of performance in a spot like this. And also, let's keep in mind, you know, with all the talk of Baltimore's defense, number one score defense in the NFL, they're number one in sacks. We also forget, and I'm not sure it's being talked about enough, Patrick Mahomes has never lost to a number one defense. I think it's 6-0. and Ridiculous numbers. Like, maybe it's that... He loves the challenge of playing a very good defense, and things just come more naturally to him, easier to him. He doesn't take as many chances down the field. It's just methodically moving the football. But he plays well, not only against number one defenses, but in his career against the Ravens, he carves them up. And Baltimore has an identity to them that uh, very much resembles, I think, a pit bull. Um, Aggressive. Uh, they want to get after you. They want to blitz heavy. You know, it's a very ferocious type of defense. And I'm not sold that they can go into this game keeping that identity. They've tried to before with Kansas City, and it's never worked. They blitz heavy, right? And Patrick Mahomes is really good against the blitz. Now, in previous years, he was so good because Tyreek Hill could get open in a matter of half a second or tenths of seconds. You know, Travis Kelsey was right there. You know, Sammy Watkins, MVS, you know, last year was reliable. Judy Smith-Schuster this year might not be as effective or have guys get open as quickly, but I don't know if Baltimore can just stick to their guns, do the same thing, because the same things they've done against Kansas City just simply haven't worked. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to defend this Chiefs offense, because now they're rolling a little bit. You go back to their performance against Cincinnati. Now, I'm not going to count the Chargers game. None of the starters played. But Miami and Buffalo, you can say that there were injuries involved. That's what made the Chiefs offense a little better, a little more durable, a little more consistent. You still have to move the football. They had played worse defenses, more hurt defenses, and didn't move the ball like they have the last two weeks. Baltimore's got the guys that can defend a Travis Kelsey, that can slow down an Isaiah Pacheco. They still got to go out there and do it. Uh, That's going to be the challenge for them. They can have all these numbers, and I can uh, rattle them off for you. They're top 10 in nearly every single category. They're fourth in scoring. They're number one in scoring defense. They're sixth in yards per game. They're first in rushing yards per game. Sixth in time possessions. Eighth in third down efficiency. Number one in sacks. They're also top three in interceptions. 
where they do not thrive, and it's more so of their quarterback play, despite him being an MVP and a soon-to-be two-time MVP winner. They're 21st in passing yards. So that goes back to what Jake said. Now, you get ahead of Baltimore. You build a 10 nothing lead. Hell, even if the Chiefs build a 7 nothing lead, it puts them in an uncomfortable spot. They don't like to play from behind. Lamar doesn't like to play from behind. Because then you're going to have to throw the ball if the running game's not working. And that is going to be uh, the key for Spags' defense in this one. If you can find a way to prevent a Justice Hill, a Gus Edwards from being a factor, and it's solely on Lamar at that point, think about how many times a quarterback's had to do everything and they've beaten the Chiefs. Josh Allen's tried to three times and he's 0-3. Now, when you're relying on just one guy to win you a football game, it's not going to work out. You build a lead, it makes Baltimore uncomfortable. And it can make that defense uncomfortable when they're being asked to prevent the lead from getting bigger, not just keeping an offense down. right? If Baltimore jumps out 7-0, 10-0, then the defense can dig their heels in a little bit and play more freely. Yeah, we're just trying to keep Patrick Mahomes in this offense under 10 points. And it's going to be very, very telling, probably in the first 15 minutes of this game, how the Chiefs are going to be able to move the football. I think Baltimore fans are saying the Chiefs have never seen a defense like this. You know, This is the best defense in the NFL. You know, We're playing at home, bad conditions. This is going to be a nightmare matchup for them. Maybe so. I also think that when you've been to this many playoff games, when you've had the success that Patrick Mahomes has had, you're not really concerned about that. You're kind of throwing out the numbers from the regular season, as we've talked about time and time again with this matchup and any matchup the Chiefs have had in the playoffs so far. You just can't get too caught up in blowout wins from Week 14 and Week 15. These teams have not seen each other since, what, Week 2 of 2021? No, remember, Lamar was 0-2 before playing Patrick Mahomes at M&T Bank Stadium, and he beat him in that come-from-behind win. It was the, the Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumble game in which the Chiefs were setting up either the game-tying field goal or the go-ahead field goal. I think it was a game-tying field goal at worst, and then Clyde fumbled the football. So Lamar was in danger of being in Josh Allen territory, going 0-3. So there might be a little bit of a mental hurdle there. He's beat him once. But it was also in the regular season. These two have never faced in the playoffs, so maybe not as big of a mental hurdle as Josh Allen had to go through. It's going to be fascinating. Uh, for those that think it's going to be a blowout, uh, I can't wait for them to be wrong. Because just predicting a blowout in any of these conference championship games I think would be a little bit foolish. These are all really good teams that are left standing in the conference championship picture. It'll be the Chiefs and the Ravens kicking off at 2 p.m. on CBS. So the Ravens, a three-and-a-half point favorite, the total at 44-and-a-half. And then you're going to have the Lions and the Niners right after at 5.30 on Fox. Uh, the Niners, a seven-point favorite of the Lions, a total of 51-and-a-half. And a reminder, you can listen to the Chiefs and Ravens over on Sports Radio 810 WHB. You can get some Chiefs coverage beginning at 8 a.m. So if you're not able to watch the game, don't go to any other station than Sports Radio 810 WHB. All right, let's make our predictions real quick before we hit break here, Jake. Before uh, we do that, I, I, we like to be accurate and correct here. Okay. So I just I just went back because 
I thought eight sounded a little high when I said that number. Eight double-digit losses. Eight double, yeah. Not, no, three. 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 Wow. One of them happened this year against Denver. Denver, Tennessee. Tennessee, and then Buffalo that same year, 2021. Oh, man. That's it. Three in how many games? Uh, I believe I'm I'm going through it. uh, I think 109 games. Three double-digit losses in 109 games. Yet there are people just saying, I think Baltimore can blow them out. Yeah. Can I, crunch them. I I don't see it happening. No. Well, we got to factor in the Tampa Bay game, right? Oh, this is just regular season. Regular season. Yeah, just regular, regular season. So three. Number. In the postseason, only once. Once, right. And that's nine. So four, t- right. four total. So just regular season three times. 96 and- games. Just regular season, 96 96, and then you count the playoff games, which this is game number 17 for him. Yeah. So that's where you got it. And the blowout that happened was because the Chiefs had no starting offensive linemen. Right. Chiefs are going to be healthy in this game, with the exception of Joe Tooney, it looks like. But Nick Allegretti will be starting in his place. So we've got the spread. We've broken down this game a little bit. Uh, Jake, I'll kick things to you here. Give me a final score prediction and why. All right. Well, the number I will go with, I will say Chiefs 27, Ravens 24. Okay. Why? I think because somehow MVS figures out a way to get in the end zone. I think Patrick Mahomes, that's why. Really, Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I, I think this is... uh, Everything on the paper says it's going to be a defensive battle, but for me, it's like I, I think I think it's going to be a showcase of these two quarterbacks going back and forth. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say that the Chiefs win the turnover battle. I'm going to say the Ravens have a bad turnover at some point in time. I think the Chiefs. I'm going to say the turnovers two to one. Chiefs turn it over once. Ravens have a, a backbreaking second turnover some point in time in the fourth quarter. Chiefs go down and capitalize on that, and then maybe you know. They 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 end up whether it be the turnover at, when when they're going to kick mm-hmm. a tying field goal and, and the Chiefs turn them over and then that's the game so, something like that. But look, I I know the odds are the Ravens are the favorite. Vegas likes them. The line's gone up to to plus four plus four for the Chiefs. Chiefs are getting four points right now. But I just it's like oh, okay, I see it and and it. I, I could totally understand how that plays out. I can see the Chiefs losing this game, mm-hmm. but it's like knock off the champs, knock them off, and because I don't, I, I think it's going to come down to experience, and it's going to come down to big moments, and Patrick Mahomes has something to fall back on. Travis Kelsey has something to fall back on. Chris Jones has something to fall back on, and that's their experience. Mm-hmm. And you look at the Ravens, whether it be Patrick Queen or Lamar Jackson. You know, the only, you know, Odell Beckham has a Super Bowl, but he was only played half of that Super yeah. Bowl, right? But they don't have any veteran leadership that has, I mean, even if they did have veteran leadership, the amount of playoff games that this team has played and, and Andy Reid coached in, it, it like only Bill Belichick has more, right? And only Tom Brady has more. Mm-hmm. And it's like you, you don't, you can't, you can't quantify, you can't put a variable on that kind of experience in my mind. And I think it's going to shine through. And look, we, I could be absolutely wrong. Uh, it, and that's it's a coin flip. 
And so if it's going to be a coin flip, I'm going to go with the guy who has, has the, the, the two rings and the three AFC championships. I'm going to go with that guy. And so I think for me, I picked the Chiefs basically because I believe I believe in Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson, and I believe in Andy Reid over John Harbaugh by a very narrow margin. Mm-hmm. It's I should have saved this comparison for this game, although I didn't really know what it was going to look like in the AFC title game. But I used it on the Chiefs and the Bills, so I'm just going to you know wash, rinse, repeat here with it. It has that same feel to the 2019 AFC title game when New England came into Kansas City and knocked off Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead Stadium. There was talk that week that Tom Brady was going to get blown out in this game, that this Patriots team, you know, they were good, but uh, Tom was old. The Patriots had the number one defense, but still it wasn't going to keep down Patrick Mahomes. He lost early on in the regular season, but you know that's because the Chiefs' defense wasn't playing that well. And then they'd been playing well in the postseason, played great against Indianapolis. And then Tom Brady came in and won. And it feels similar because here we are talking about Baltimore, this big bad team. They're a juggernaut, MVP quarterback, and it's going to be loud. You know, you always factor in noise. I hate in the NFL how we say home field advantage. I really don't think there is in the pros. You can have loud environments. I think it's more so to college players. Those are 18 to 22-year-olds dealing with crowd noise. And these are 25 to 35-year-olds dealing with crowd noise. Like You could have said last week, oh, Kansas City's never seen an environment like Orchard Park, Highmark Stadium, in the playoffs, in this weather. They'd never seem bothered by it. Did they even have a false start in that game? Not a false start, not a delay game. Delay of game, in my opinion. No, but I will say the Texans had, I think, three. Maybe they did, four. and you you brought up that M and T Bank Stadium is one of the loudest stadiums. I think you said the loudest stadium that you've been to, it right? Is. I, yeah, I, I, it's louder than Seattle, in my opinion. And and you know, a lot of people think I'm crazy for thinking that. I, all I can give you is, you know, and I was I was there for a week seventeen big time matchup between the Browns and the Ravens. Had to have that game, so it was a, a very much playoff atmosphere i was in seattle i've been to seattle several times um it's loud no doubt about it yeah. it is loud but i just there's something about that feel and i i think in that that stadium that it, look there is there's a slight advantage in my in my eyes that you have to use techniques and you know snap counts and the offensive line has to be on the same page where you don't have to if they are an arrowhead they would that wouldn't even be a, a point of mm-hmm. conversation. It wouldn't be something that you practice a silent snap count. But I, I think, to your point, they're pros, and it's almost second nature to them. But it, it can, if it's a young, you know, especially with you look at the Nick Allegretti situation, mm-hmm. he is a he is a luxury for this Chiefs team. He started, I mean, it was a COVID year, but he started in a Super Bowl. Right, and, and he, he would start for, I, I would think, two-thirds of the NFL teams in this league he would start for. And so, but he's also a guy who hasn't had a ton of snaps and hasn't had a ton of reps this season of late with with this, you know, offensive line crew. So it could be. I doubt it will be an issue. But the fact that it's a possibility and it's something that they have to deal with, it's a slight advantage. Now, I I don't think it's, you know... Obviously, there's some type of an advantage because Vegas puts a, a point and a half to two points on mm-hmm. on it. So. Yeah, you get some form of a home field advantage. And 
You know, I I think when you look back at the Houston game too, you know, how old CJ Stroud? Twenty two. Yeah, yeah he's, and he's, maybe he might be the youngest quarterback uh, unless Bryce Young is in the NFL. Um, so I, I'm not shocked that his first road playoff game discombobulated him in the offensive line. Patrick Mahomes has played in some really loud environments before. Uh, I mean, when you've played in 16 playoff games, you kind of block it out, you know. And special quarterbacks do that. You know, I remember um, Zach Grink used to say it with the Royal. Like, how do you pitch in road environments, postseason games? He's like, I don't even know they're there. Just block out all the sound. Now, Zach Grink, he's kind of his own person. Yeah, he's, he's a, a unique fella. He's so an alien. He, he can do that. But I'd imagine to some extent the great ones, Brady, yeah. uh, Manning, Mahomes, uh, you, uh, Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, you know, you look at it and you go, I'm just – the noise doesn't bother me. Right. I've now got it down to a science how we're going to operate. And they almost turn it to an advantage. Yes. Right? A back against the wall, use it for motivation. Yep. You know, it, I want to shut this crowd up. Yes. And that and that's what's going to be very, um, very, very much a factor in this game on Sunday. If you give Baltimore's fans no reason to get loud, this could be a comfortable win for the Chiefs. Not 10 to 14 points, but maybe they have a lead the entire game. But if you start crumbling a little bit, uh, interception there, a fumble here, false start, delay game, we saw against Houston, that game was 10 to 10, and they lost by 21 because they just never got on the same page. But that's a rookie head coach, a rookie quarterback, really in their toughest spot they've been in in how long? Since the Oilers, maybe? Yeah, I mean, with the Sean Watson, they made it to the divisional round. I guess. Yeah, you could say that they yeah. beat so in, same spot in Arrowhead. Yeah, but this was different. They, they had a, Watson they, wasn't a rookie, right? And they had a they had a significant lead against the Chiefs. Yes, in that game. and that they crumbled right. away that but one. Not the same players years ago. Not yeah. the same coach. So it's like you know, to put them in in comparison, like that the the franchise, yes, yeah. But those two, they've never been in something like that. And Patrick Mahomes. Now has. He has played on the road. And you could say twice. He played Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium in the Super Bowl. That was basically a home game for the Buccaneers. We'll see, though. Um, I am ecstatic for this game. Can't wait to see the atmosphere. Can't wait to see the conditions, everything. I'm glad they're the afternoon game. I don't want to wait till 5.30 for this game to yeah. kick off. And so your prediction? Oh, yes. I even forgot that I had a prediction to go through. Um, you know, it was 27-24 last week, wasn't it? With Buffalo, you got 27-24 again. I, I want to believe it's going to be the same type of feel. Like The defense, they're going to have their moments, but for the most part, Lamar and the Ravens are going to be able to move the football, and I think the Chiefs are going to be able to move the football against Baltimore. I'm going to go 30-27 Kansas City in this one. Um, you could say it's biased, but I just I don't feel like after last week I'm going to bet against a guy who has 13 playoff wins. If he wins... On Sunday, correct me if I'm wrong, and you can look this up on the break, Jake, that puts him third all-time in playoff wins. I think he'd be behind Montana and Brady, and Brady's head and shoulders above everybody else, but I think he would be third in playoff wins. Maybe that's right. But that would put him to his fourth Super Bowl in six seasons. Sometimes you just have to factor in playoff experience. Brady had it for so many years, and guys that went up against him that didn't have the playoff experience, they were oftentimes not successful. So right now, with 13 wins, he's tied with Roethlisberger, Favre, and Staubach. They all had they all have 13 wins. 
And who's sec- Montana's second? So Manning, Young, Elway, and Bradshaw all have 14. Montana, 16. Brady, 35. Yeah, so I <laughs> Brady, Brady has lapped the field. So he's tied for second. Or tied for third, excuse me. With all, so if he wins a Super Bowl, third alone. And then he's just chasing Montana at that point. Well, no, if he if he wins, it, well, if he wins the Super Bowl, yes, he passes or ties Montana. Well, he will be one behind Montana it, with two more wins, which would be the AFC Championship and, and the, the, Super, and Bowl. the Super Bowl. He would be third alone, just like you said, behind Montana and Brady. And then next year he'd get it and surpass Montana, likely, unless they get the number one seed and they'll have to get back to the Super Bowl. Be that, five and that seven. Thirty five hit me in the face when I was reading. That, that is that is ridiculous. I was, to think about. I was not expecting that, but yeah, that'll do it. I mean, he's going to rack up the wins if they keep having to play in the wild card round. Then you get two gimmies in the wild card and the divisional round. But Chiefs Ravens. Um, 2 o'clock on Sunday. You can listen on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Some coverage beginning at 8 a.m. I got 30-27 Kansas City. Jake's got 27-24 Kansas City. We'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, let's break down the Lions and the Niners, the NFC side of things, next on ESPN Kansas City. Back here on The Shift on ESPN Kansas City, I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Well, it's just popped up on my timeline, so it's worth at least discussing before the Niners and the Lions. Craig Carton of Fox Sports said, quote, I think Bill Belichick will be the next head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs next year. (laughs) Adam Schefter and Mike Florio have brought up the same scenario. Carton goes on to say, I think that's where Belichick goes after Andy Reid retires this year. Um, I think it'd be a great landing spot for Belichick. I mean, Belichick wants to get another Super Bowl. I don't think it necessarily helps his legacy because whereas Brady went to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl there, like, does anybody think differently of Belichick if he goes to Kansas City and wins a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes? If Mahomes wins it this year, he gets Mahomes his fourth Super Bowl. I mean, I think it would be crazy to see Belichick in the the hoodie, the, the cutoff hoodie sweatshirt on the sideline for Kansas City. After all those years of just seeing him in New England, listen, this this feels so unlikely that it's not even... The, the Chiefs, even if Andy Reid does retire, and he is more than entitled to that at this point, win or lose on Sunday, if Andy said, I've done all I wanted to do, I want to hand things over, they are going to give the power to Andy Reid, likely, to make that next hire, or at least offer up a name. Well, they'll 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 take his advisement. But yes, I, I I still that's that's uh that's a Clark Hunt thing. He will Clark Hunt will make that hire. Belichick doesn't even feel like Kansas City at well, all. They went down that road with Scott Pioli. Yeah, it's they're not. <laughs> it look, feels I, like it, it's I, a jagged puzzle piece. You, you bring it up, and I and yes, it needs it, somebody put something like that who has some credibility, and then it's followed up by two other people who have significant credibility. Yes, right. That's that was the part, weird thing about Schefter. That's the part that that raises my eyebrows. Uh, but I still, that would be, that would be a knock my socks off. One of the most shocking things that has happened in my over twenty years of covering sports in this city. I mean to go from one Hall of Famer to the next. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But I think Schefter, I think it was the other day, said 
you know, he's just saying in a scenario. He wasn't saying there's any sources. He's like, just think about this for a second. If Andy Reid retires, I'm sure Belichick would want to coach Patrick Mahomes. Um, I just, I think whenever Andy Reid is done, he's still got two years left on his contract. Whenever he's done, I think the Chiefs are going to make that pick of a young up and comer. Like, one name I think would make a lot of sense because he already got interviews as well. Like they might go back back after Mike Kafka because they loved Mike Kafka before he left for New York. They might go Eric Bieniemy. They could. I mean, I think that would be more likely than than Bill Belichick. I mean, Bieniemy yeah. had been here for how many years before he he went? To he knows the, the players. Game. He knows yeah. the system, and no, that's why I, Belichick's not going to use Kansas City system. He's going to use the New England system. And also, let's all keep in mind here, I feel like his job in Atlanta or the interviews that he was taking, that like it was his job to lose. Something had to have happened that well, they were like, I don't want Bill Bell. He had two interviews. Arthur Blank wanted him. And look, this is all speculation. This is all rumors. And none of this is firsthand information. It's, it's, it's second, third, and fourth hand. But it makes sense for this this to have happened that Arthur Blank wanted Bill Belichick and the people that work for Arthur Blank in that organization who have been there for a period of time who he truly values and thinks highly of did not want to work for Bill Belichick and notice I say for Bill Belichick right because they're going to be working with Raheem Morris right not for Raheem Morris Mm -hmm. and so he really wanted it. That's why he had two interviews with him. And then he was trying to sell that to the rest of his organization. And they were like, no way. You can't bring this guy in. Mm. We can't work for him. Yeah. He's not going to work with us. We're going to be working for him. But, look, if you want to change the culture of a team, if you want to turn around an organization, then you do hand the keys over to a Bill Belichick. And you, but, look, it's, that's how I think things played out. He wanted Belichick. The rest of the people who are at his advisement said, you can't do this. This will will send shockwaves through your organization. Mm -hmm. People will be resigning because Bill Belichick didn't hire them, and they're working for him now, and they didn't sign up for this job to work for him. You know, they're working for you. Yeah. And and I think that's how it played out. And right, wrong, or indifferent, like – the fact that he didn't get an interview with Carolina, and we don't know how these things work. Maybe he wanted nothing to do with them. Yeah, it's, I, I think he wanted to go somewhere where the, the talent was underachieving, basically. Like, there, there is some expectation there, but, like, Carolina's got nothing. Right, but also, if you want to turn around franchise, you'd say, hey, Bill Belichick changed the culture. True. You know, here, do, do whatever you need to do. Here you go. Now, I don't do I think it would have been successful? No, I don't. No. But... <laughs> You know, why Why would you not at least try to bring the guy in for an interview? You know, it even shocked me more after Dallas lost. I thought, Jerry Jones will not let Mike McCarthy get to his car. He'll be gone. And Belichick's right there. Like, he knew Belichick would be available. And that's another part of this. I'm like, Jerry Jones, for as harsh as he is, I think with his expectation of Dallas... The fact a Hall of Famer is available, and he was like, we're sticking with Mike McCarthy. Maybe he's not as hot of a name as we once thought. I mean, how many jobs well, are still left? How two, many? Two, Seattle and uh, Seattle, and there's one more, Commanders. 
But Seattle, I would say Seattle has a chance. Washington, no way in hell. No, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't think. I, I, look, I think this this coaching cycle goes by and Bill Belichick doesn't have a job. I mean, I wow. think the names in Seattle you're hearing are, are Dan Quinn and Mike Vrabel and like that. yeah, Vrabel's still out there. And yeah, that's the amazing thing. Like both these guys are are, are playoff winning coaches. It, and, it's and, weird. Yeah, it is. Um, but it also cha- it's it shows you the culture of the NFL right now. Um, for me, it's it. I don't know. When you look at it, it in terms of Belichick, it, it like. Does it still work? Because I think that there's a tarnish because he tried to do it with Mac Jones. He tried to do it, and you look at the personnel that, mm-hmm. and they're it's it's not a stacked team. It's not a stacked roster. So I think that the shine is off of that. I don't know. I think that's how it's playing out. Like I'm shocked if Rabel isn't getting more looks, but who knows? I, I it'll be interesting. And in in terms of Jerry Jones, like that guy is getting old, right? <laughs> I mean, legitimately, I think yeah. he's like 81 years old. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and so he likes the way things are, and he wants to do a rate. Like, the most important post-game press conference is his. Like, what M- McCarthy says behind the podium means nothing. It doesn't matter. Right? But the reporters are standing around Jerry Jones after the game. Mm. And, look, if Belichick came in there— that would stop it. That would not mm-hmm. be happening. True. He wouldn't do a weekly radio show. There's no way Belichick would allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. And so as we get older, and I, and I just say that as, as, a, as a man that's half his age, but I get set in my ways too, mm-hmm. and it gets comfortable, and I don't want to change, and I don't, you know, I like the way things are. Yeah. And so making this change, he would have to make a massive change, and doing that at 81 well, that's pretty hard thing to do. He embodies the Dallas Cowboys. He he's not, and I think also with the McCarthy hire. I remember back then it was like he's hiring somebody that he can control. Absolutely, he's got the power over him. He's like you, I I can control what you do and, and the players you want. And maybe that's why at the end, like Belichick, he's gonna want too much power. Maybe that's in Atlanta too. He's wanting to bring in his own guys, which happens, right? right? But there's a lot of power that Belichick wants, and it's starting to show. Teams would rather go with Raheem Morris. Right. Uh, they'd rather go with uh, uh, the Bucks. So see, I'm already blanking on his name, but he went to Carolina. Yeah. It's like those guys, uh, they don't have as much of a pull as Belichick does. But anyways, uh, yeah, you and I are both in agreement here. He's not coming to Kansas. Well, I, what I hope is that uh, that Belichick and Vrabel both go through the cycle without a job because yeah. what will happen is it will make next year even better. Even better because look at the pressure that Sirianni's going to have on him, the pressure that McCarthy's going to have on him. The guys like that, like that, you know, you're going to have those two coaches mm-hmm. hanging above their head and it's it just especially for guys that do what we do. Yep. Great dialogue, great intrigue, great interest, right? And so I you know, and look, Pete Carroll's a little bit up there in age, but he's still out there he too. He still is. Right? Cuz I don't think he took that front office job that yeah. Seattle wanted him to. And also with Vrabel Hell, maybe Andy Reid coaches this year, and then he goes, next year's the end for me. I- I'm going to retire after next year. Mike Vrabel was a chief. I'm just saying. There yeah, is some connection. He definitely was. There's right. some connection. 
And I think Vrabel will be a great fit. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think even if they don't get a job, that doesn't mean they're done coaching. Okay, we are going to be able to get to college basketball talk, but that's all right. You can look it up on Kellis Robinette's Twitter about K-State and the spies behind the bench because there's a game right after the Chiefs and Ravens that I want to give a little bit of insight into. Niners and Lions. Here's the crazy thing. If you haven't seen the spread yet that Vegas has put out, the Niners are a seven-point favorite over this Detroit team. And that's with Debo Samuel in question. Right? Is he going to be playing in this game? And when it's, I look it's at seven and a half, not the seven and a half that, now. Yeah, the half does it's matter. It's still going up. So the money half does is still... matter when it's three and a half or seven and a half. That half point makes a big difference. Yes, yes. So and I, I know I'm not, I'm not trying to correct you, but it, it literally went up this morning. Like it's I, huge because then yeah, a touchdown win would be a push if you you know. Right. So money is being thrown in on San Francisco and we discussed this before with big spreads. We talked about this in the uh the wild card round cuz remember it was 10 point spreads for Dallas and it was 10 point spreads for the Niners, I believe it was. Or I'm blanking on. No, it could have been the the Niners cuz they were the one. Who was the 2 seed that I'm blanking on on the uh Oh, I'm already I'm already forgetting this. Who was the 2 seed on the AFC side? Buffalo. Buffalo was a 10-point favorite of Pittsburgh. Man, yep, how quickly you, you can forget. But <laughs> Been remember, a lot of football since then. We discussed that. And remember, you were saying, which I think is just fascinating. I've been hooked on it, and it's why I have bet in favor of the Niners for this game. You said, when you put a spread that big, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get people to throw money down on the Lions. Going, It's a no-brainer. right? The Lions aren't going to lose by more than seven. However, anytime I see a spread this big... I think Vegas is telling you something. It's different to me in the opening round, right? When Dallas was a, a double-digit favorite against Green Bay, and then you had uh, Buffalo as a double-digit favorite against Pittsburgh, it's like, that can make sense. Pittsburgh sucked, and Green Bay was a nine-win team in the regular season. And Dallas playing at home was undefeated basically over the last two years. So it made sense. In games like this, the Lions coming off a 30-point showing against Tampa Bay, they had beaten the Rams. Why are they so much of an underdog against the Niners team that needed a miracle to beat the Packers. Like, if Carlson makes that kick, I don't think that Brock Purdy goes the length of the field down by seven, ties, and wins that game. I don't see it. Kyle Shanahan was 0-30 when trailing by seven or more in the fourth quarter. He got that first win last weekend. So I look at that and go, okay, there are... Two scenarios here. Really, it feels like you know Vegas you know, doesn't get it wrong. They're usually right on this. But the Lions play damn well. And they continue their hot trend. And the Niners, they still look like they're sputtering in the mud a little bit. Brock Purdy's got a mistake or two. Yeah, I think the Lions cover in that sense. You also have to keep in mind about this Lions team, though. As good as they are offensively, they are putrid on the defensive side of the football. And that's what made the matchup so difficult for the Niners on Saturday last week. Green Bay has some guys on the defensive side of the football. That really made it difficult for Brock Purdy. And also, remember, it was raining. Brock Purdy, it has to be really good conditions for him to play well. High 74 on Sunday night. Or at least Sunday. He'll probably be down in the, the 60s by kickoff. Oh, a little bit chilly in San Francisco. But still, it, it's it's one of those games where I think Vegas is telling me the Lions are going to finally hit their wall. That the win against Tampa, don't read into it too much. 
That was Baker in a very average offense keeping things close. I don't know if you saw this stat, uh, Jake, but the quarterbacks that have faced the Lions over the last four weeks or so, their last four games, torching their secondary. Like Nick Mullins had 396 for the Vikings against the Lions secondary. Baker had over 330. You look at, oh, who was, oh, Matt Stafford had over 300 against that Lions secondary. Um, I believe to Dallas. I think Dak had a great game. Dak had 345 through the air. So going back to December 24th, so that's five games in a row, quarterbacks are faring well against that secondary. And Brock Purdy, he's going to be Mr. Checkdown there, play within the system, but he can when the weather's like that. So I think the Niners win by 10 points in this game, covering that 7.5. What do you say, Jake? I think the Niners win this game, but look, I, th- I think the, the Lions' weapons will keep them in check. Like I, I, I think the, the 49ers have a real problem setting the edge because Aaron Jones ran all over them. And yeah. I think with the combination, you know, that they have in their backfield with Gibbs uh, and the guy from the Bears are blanking on his name right now for from Iowa State. Oh. The the Lions running back, Montgomery. Montgomery, yeah, David Montgomery, yes. Yeah. yeah, so I think with that combination of Gibbs and Montgomery, I think it could cause some real problems. And look, I, I think if you do have any hope of the Lions defense is – it's going to be Hutchinson going, mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson going against uh, McKivitz, who's given up, I think, nine sacks this year on that side. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they could cause enough trouble. And, look, I think whether this game is a blowout or not, it, it really, it, to your double-digit win, I think I'd be, I, I'm going to be paying really close attention to Debo Samuel and, and, mm-hmm. and whether he plays or not. Yeah. Because if he doesn't play... I'm all over that seven and a half. Yeah, he, Purdy's a different guy. Yeah, without that, that whole offense just is, mm-hmm. is, is such an unpredictable player because he can he can play all those different roles. Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be something to watch. You know, with Debo Samuel, his availability in this game against the Detroit Lions. But the Lions and the Niners will kick off. 30 minutes likely after the Chiefs and the Ravens. Reminder, you can listen to the Chiefs and Ravens over on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Coverage begins at 8 a.m. A full slate of Chiefs talk over on 810 Sunday morning, starting early, early, early and leading you into that 2 p.m. kickoff. That's going to do it for the week for us on ESPN Kansas City, or at least for the shift. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Excuse me, stumbling over my words here. So we might as well get out and get into the weekend here. You have a great time watching the game, Kansas City. We'll talk to you on Monday.